Attention, people of Earth. Do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hello, greetings, and warmest salutations, all, and welcome to the Earth Destruction Directive podcast. As always, I am your Daikaiju obsessed host, Luke Giaconetti. I'd like to say welcome back to everyone. Now, it's been a while since our last episode was out. I had lots of grandiose plans about uh, keeping my schedule, but then I got shipped off to Rhode Island for work for a couple of months, and it was a little difficult to do my recording there. But we are back now. We have a new episode here. I hope we did enjoy that aforementioned last episode where we talked about IDW's Godzilla Gangsters and Goliath miniseries. Today we're going to be talking about the classic NES video game Godzilla Monster of Monsters, a favorite of mine from when I was a kid, despite not owning an NES. You'll hear that story as we get into it. Um, again, we're going to get right into it after a quick break. want to thank everybody, and we got a great show for you, so stick around. Earth Destruction Directive, where all of our heroes are big in Japan. And we're back here on Earth Destruction Directive. As I mentioned at the top of the show, today we're going to be talking about uh, probably the first uh, Daikaiju video game, definitely the first Godzilla video game, Godzilla Monster of Monsters for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, This was programmed by Compile, also, uh, and released by Toho Senfile Soft, which uh, was Toho's video game uh, division at this time. This was released in Japan in the uh, fall of 1988 and released about a year later in the fall of 1989 in the United States. Our story, as all video games uh, nowadays, and even back then for the most part, require a story. In the year 2XXXAD, when the orbits of Pluto and Neptune exchange their positions, the Earth receives a declaration of war from an unknown planet. The invaders from Planet X attack the Earth as part of their plan to conquer the entire universe using a legion of space monsters. The Earth sends Godzilla, king of the monsters on the Earth, and Mothra to defend itself. Godzilla advances through battle stages called ring fields, provided in interplanetary space to battle that legion of space monsters controlled by Planet X. Godzilla must battle its way from one ring field to another and finally defeat King Ghidorah at Planet X to defend Earth. For the sake of the future of the Earth, Godzilla's fierce battle now begins. And this is the story as we are introduced to it in the cutscenes at the beginning of the game, in the cinematic cutscenes. This was the only story that the game had. There's no more to it. At the end of the game, we find, you know, the Exians flee with their tail between their legs. For... Folks of the younger set, I'm looking at you, Scotty Gardner. I'm looking at you, Michael Leyland, and uh, some of the other uh, Two True Freaks affiliated uh, uh, kids we got out there. This, there wasn't video games with stories in between every every level and like every action that your player takes. Okay, you got it set up, you played the game. That was what we were doing back then as a gamer. And uh, that, like I said, it, it's classic kind of Toho stuff. Our, uh, evil aliens invade with an army of space monsters. You can't beat it. Straightforward, to the point, I love it. In this game, there are eight planets, with between two to eight uh, boss monsters on it, depending on the world. Each world has its own mix of different 
hexes and enemies. Now, it's like, in the story, these were described as ring fields. And basically, it's just a hex board with different uh, types of levels in each hex and a couple of different boss monsters roaming around. We had wilderness uh, stages, volcano stages, jungles, ruins, subspace, mecha city, and then the base headquarters. And uh, each one of these types of uh, hex fields had different enemies that would appear in it, different obstacles, and, uh, you know, so as you move through the hex, you fought through each type of stage. Uh, Godzilla and Mothra start the game at level one with a small amount of both life, which is your life, and energy, which is used to perform their special attacks. Now, um, Mothra has slightly more life and energy uh, than Godzilla, and Godzilla is also slower. Godzilla can move two hexes in a turn, and Mothra can move four hexes. Now, the way the movement works is that you move your monster on the hex board, and then let's say you go through two wildernesses, a jungle, and a, a volcano. You would then play, if you're a mother, you're moving four spaces, you would then play through two wildernesses, a jungle, and a volcano stage uh, before your turn, for that monster's turn ended. So as you move through the board, you play through all the stages that you move through. The kaiju then, they gain levels by defeating bosses and in certain stage types. In subspace, for instance, um, you can gain levels. You'll fight a Makango at one point. You can fight um, Atragon and um, a, dog, a series of small Dogras. So you can gain levels fighting in those. But mostly you get it by beating the bosses. Every time Goji or Mothra gains a level, their life and energy bars increase. Makes sense. Pretty basic stuff. To move to the next world, the remaining monsters on the stage move onto the base headquarters stage, beat that hex, and then occupy it, and then they'll move on to the next planet. Now, Godzilla has a lot of physical attacks, which makes sense. Punches, kicks, and tail swipes, plus he can jump. His special attack is his atomic breath, which is the most powerful attack the player has access to. Now, to counter this, he is big, and he's relatively slow and relatively not agile. So he has a hard time avoiding most attacks, both from enemies in the stages as well as the bosses. Mothra has only one basic attack, an energy ball she shoots from her antennae, and one special attack, her poison powder from her wings. Now, as expected, she's much faster and more maneuverable and able to avoid attacks and move through the stages quickly. Goji's best suited to fighting bosses, and Mothra's best suited to clearing stages. Now, this is a one-player game, and you control both monsters now. Uh, what we used to do growing up is we'd have one person control Goji and one person control Mothra and just hand off the controller hot seat style. Now, the boss monsters, they're a varied bunch. Gizara, the giant squid from Yogg Space Monster, is essentially worthless, since he doesn't have any attacks that can do damage to either monster. He just kind of hops around and can trap you in the corner. He's basically a roadblock. His partner as the initial boss is Mogra from the Mysterians. He's slightly more challenging, but really not much of a threat. He does have an I-beam, but he can be very easily trapped in his corner. And if a boss can be trapped in his corner, what does that tell you? Okay. The third boss is Varan, and he's got a decent close-range attack with his uh, swiping claws, but he can't fight from afar, so he's really not much of a, of a challenge. The fourth boss is Baragon, and Baragon primarily stays on all fours, except when he stands up to shoot his, uh, his heat beam from his horn. And so he's such a small target that he can actually be very pretty dangerous, and he can also leap from one side of the screen to the other and hit you with his horn. Probably the first real threat monster is Baragon. Hedra can absorb a lot of damage because he's a smog monster, and he can dish it out. He's got a sludge bullet ranged weapon that he can hit you from across the screen with. Pretty annoying, but it's cool to see Hedra in a game, too. He looks really cool. It, it, for whatever reason, he did very good being converted to Sprite. 
Geigen is a real beast with his I-beam and his jet cutter. And the jet cutter can take out about half your life if you're not careful and he traps you in the corner. Mechagodzilla is also nasty with several attacks which, can chain, which he can chain together so he can punch you and shoot you with his I-beams at the same time and you just quickly find yourself that if you're not careful you can be overrun and swamped. Of course, King Ghidorah is far and away the toughest and will be a real challenge even for folks who have played the game for years like me. His gravity beams are real difficult to avoid because he shoots them at multiple angles. And he corner traps you while attacking you with his head. And you just get stuck and he just wears you down, wears you down. But, like in the movies, he's not invincible and can be beat. This is a really different type of game than I think most people would expect from a Godzilla game. There's a level of strategy involved in how you move through the hex boards and making sure that your both monsters are leveled up and which bosses you fight in which order. It's not just a, a city-smashing fest, which... I don't have a problem with that. I think that is a fun style of game, but this one's a little bit different. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's unique amongst the Godzilla video game pantheon for that reason. Now, if you want a tip, I'll give you one right here. Best tip you can have, you're playing this game by yourself, kill Mothra. And I'm not saying that to be a cynic. What I mean here is, if you're playing this as one player, and as I said, normally the game is one player, unless you've got two guys in your hand, the controller off hot seat style, you have to advance both Godzilla and Mothra through the stage, get them both to the base HQ, and have them both beat the base HQ and then occupy it. Now, if one monster goes through the base HQ, occupies it, and moves to the next level, if the remaining monster dies, you lose. So let's say that Godzilla makes it to the base HQ and advances to the next level. If Mothra then dies, the game is over. But if one of the monsters dies while both of them are still on the board you can keep playing. So say, for example, uh, the first thing you do when you start a stage is kill Mothra, then Godzilla can then move through the board, and when he advances to the next stage, you advance to the next stage. Now, Mothra will show back up on the next stage. You've got to kill her again. But the idea here is that it's just, it just makes the game easier to play for one player because you don't got to worry about both monsters. And Mothra especially, since she's not going to be fighting the bosses, it's hard for her to gain levels. Whereas Godzilla, because he's always fighting the other monsters, gains levels relatively quickly. So... It's easier just to kill her off to start the dang stage, so you don't got to worry about it. And then, you know, oh crap, Godzilla's on base HQ. I got to go kill Mothra. Just kill her to start with. And very rarely does she have a lot of usefulness. She's real good against Mecha Godzilla because there's a trick where you can line her up um, against the Mecha Godzilla, where MG will just shoot his I beam right over her, and she can just hit him over and over and over again with her little energy beam attack. Other than that, she doesn't really bring much to the table. Uh, just a little background, I played this game a lot with my younger cousin Adam, who was also a G-fan growing up. And uh, basically every time we go over to my aunt and uncle's house, we would play Godzilla Monster of Monsters until one time when we stayed over there for a week because my parents were on vacation and, and my brother and I didn't go with them. And we finally just sat down and beat the dang game. And I just played it beginning to end one day and beat it. And this was without cheat codes and without the internet. So you know, we did it the old-fashioned way. So from that, I've always had a lot of... Um, affection for this game. It, it's very old-fashioned, and, uh, you know, despite its, its numerous flaws, I've always, I've always kind of dug it. Um, it's a slow-paced game, and it places emphasis on picking the right path. You know, like I said, it, it's different than most city-smashing games. There's not a whole lot of quick, you know, beat-em-up, monster-on-monster action. It's, uh, you know, moving through a hex field is, not again, not what one normally associates with a Godzilla video game. But, like I said, it's fun in its own right. 
The controls are clunky, as a lot of NES can, games were, especially the, the heavy uh, Japanese ones like this. But you get used to them. Um, basically, in the uh, hex field and, and all the fields, you move with the D-pad. Godzilla can punch with one button, kick with another. You hold down and hit kick to do a tail swipe. Hit select to do the atomic breath. You jump with up. Uh, Mothra just moves around in all eight directions with the D-pad. Either button fires her antenna. She fires her poison powder with select. Pretty straightforward, you know, but it's not really smooth. But then again, you are controlling a gigantic daikaiju. They're not exactly known for being, you know, uh, twinkle toes out here like the Frankenstein monster in Young Frankenstein. So you get used to it. The graphics are, are fun. They're colorful and bright. The monsters look great. I mean, all of them are very well detailed. As I said earlier, Hedro looks fantastic in Sprite for whatever reason, but all of them look good. Even even monsters like, like Gezra. I mean, Gezra is a really kind of a lame monster. I mean, he was a lame monster in the movie. But I think more people probably know him from this game than they do from Yogg. Uh, and even he looks good. So uh, the, the stages, though, get a little monotonous. I mean, like I said, there's eight different stages. That's kind of a wash because two of them, the Mecha City stages and the Base HQ, look identical. It's just one serves the purpose of being the last one you got to beat. The other ones are, are different, but they all look alike. And you've got the same... Mix with the same eight stages used over and over again on all the worlds. Now, obviously, there's a different mix on each on on each planet, but you, it's like uh, these levels all start looking alike. And there's only like three or four variations on each one. So once you've seen them, you start seeing them all. So it can get a little monotonous with the backgrounds. The other thing is there's a lot of graphics flicker when there's a lot of objects on screen, and during the hex stages there can be a lot of enemies and enemy uh, bullets and such on screen. So there is some flicker, but again, it's an NES game. You expect flicker from an 8-bit NES game. That was part and parcel with being a gamer back then. So it's, it's not as bad as some, but it is worse than others. So it's about an average level of, of graphic flicker. Uh, the music, however, is awesome. I love the music from this game. It's very catchy, uh, just little middies, you know. But uh, And even though it's not based on any actual Toho music that I can figure out, but the music is just very catchy. The opening theme is one of my favorite pieces of NES music of all time. You know, I've always had a stuck in my head. It's just, it's just classic. And every time I hear it, I immediately flash back being a kid playing, um, playing this game with my cousin. And uh, I, I love it, still do. Um, really, in closing, this is... Definitely a game that is worth playing for older G fans, those of us who remember the NES. I never had an NES, so the only time, like I said, the only time I played this was when I went over to my cousin's house. So this was my favorite Nintendo game for years and years just because it was pretty much the only one I would play. Um, and eventually I got it on emulator, and then I put it on a flash cart to play in my GBA. It's because I love this game so much, even though I know it has so many short, uh, you know, shortfalls. But that's, that's what happens when you're a fan of something. You know? You're willing to overlook certain things for the opportunity to play through the ring fields as, as Goji. I mean, who wouldn't like that? Like I said, definitely worth checking out. I'm sure you could find an emulator and a ROM for this. The game is, you know, uh, more than 20 years old at this point, so we're not too concerned. But younger fans will probably be bored with this game very quickly. It's, as I said, old-school type of video gaming. It's a little slower-paced. It's not the type of game that normally now in our brain, uh, we say Godzilla video game, we immediately think, oh, Destroy All Monsters Melee and all the games that came after that, where it says plug it in, hit it up, get some monsters going, and let's, let's cause some carnage. Uh, but it's definitely worth checking out. I do want to talk very briefly about the sequel to this game, which was called Godzilla 2. Now, on paper, this sounds like an awesome concept. 
It is a turn-based strategy game where you are playing as the Japanese military, and there are monsters moving across the board, and you're supposed to kill them. However, don't be fooled. This game sucks. The reason why Godzilla 2 sucks is that the combat system is completely random. I'm not even being facetious. You, let's say you have a tank against Godzilla. You match him up, you select him, you select Godzilla to attack, boom. Goes to a little cutscene where it's, a, it's like a slot machine rolling. And they, you don't control when the rolling uh, tiles on the slot machine stop. The computer controls it. So it's really random whether or not you hit. There's no skill involved here. It's a great concept, but it just, oh my god, the execution is horrible. Furthermore, there is the, uh, one, of the, one of the weapons you get on certain stages is a nuclear bomb. And if you select it, you can say, use nuclear bomb. If you use it, you lose. It's a trap in the game. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> what the hell is that? Now, admittedly, most Godzilla fans know that nuclear weapons equals bad. But still, look who puts that into a video game. That doesn't make any sense at all. That's as bad as on the Genesis X-Men game when you had to reset Cerebro by pushing reset on the Genesis. I mean, no, yeah, that's just, it just, oh my gosh, it just boggles my mind. But I'm not here to talk about Godzilla 2. Let's not get off that tangent. So, if you haven't played Godzilla Monster or Monsters, go check it out. I think you'll have some fun. Even you older, you, uh, you older guys, I think you'll get it. You younger guys, give it a shot. You never know. You might like something a little more retro rather than whatever the newest flashy uh, monster game is. I'm going to take a quick break. We will be right back to close out the show here on Earth Destruction Directive. James T. Cook. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Violate the treaty, Captain. Red alert! All hands, battle station! This is Captain Kirk. Incorrect. Can you just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands, battle station. Mondays, available the second Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Okay, welcome back to Earth Destruction Directive. A quick note here. On the last episode, I had said that I intended to do a uh, review 
of Godzilla Legends number one from IDW Comics, which featured Anguirus in a starring role. In the interim, since making that statement, all five issues of Godzilla Legends have been released. So I'm not going to do that. Instead, next episode, I will cover all five issues of that miniseries and um, give the readers a, a chance to hear about uh, some of the spotlight issues coming out from IDW. We'll also talk about um, IDW has also announced a re- series that is going to replace Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters, simply titled Godzilla. So I'll have some more news on that, and we'll discuss some comics next month as well. Uh, in my hands here, I do have an email. If you would like to email Earth Destruction Directive, you can hit us at earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. I'll have all the contact information uh, at the end of the show. So if you want to send us some feedback, please send it along, and I'll get to you on the show like I'm going to do here with this email from Jesse Garrett. Jesse writes, Hello, Luke. I've heard you on a few of the Freaks shows and think it's about time you became a regular. Well, damn Skippy, Jesse. Thank you very much. I'm glad you like the other shows I do with the Two True Freaks crew. I am very excited about another kaiju podcast hitting the Internet and was wondering if there are plans to upload your older episodes to the Two True Freaks feed. Uh, Jesse, thank you very much for writing in. As far as the older episodes, I am very interested in doing that. I've talked to Chris about it. I just need to finalize how to do it. Uh, There were, uh, for listeners who only discovered the show through two true freaks, I did eight previous episodes of Earth Destruction Directive that were released on my own. All of these are available on archive.org. If you go to archive.org, search for Earth Destruction Directive, you'll find all the episodes. Uh, We talked about some good movies, and uh, in there we talked about Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, uh, Godzilla 1985, we talked about Godzilla X Megajirus, we talked about Gamera, Gar, uh, the original Gamera, not Guardian of the Universe. And uh, we talked about Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, the original. Uh, so there's some there's some good... We talked about the Inhumanoids. I love the Inhumanoids episode. Got a lot of good feedback on that one. So uh, I am talking to Chris right now. I'm going to try and get those quote-unquote classic episodes of the of Earth Destruction Directive up on the Two True Freaks feed. Uh, maybe they can supplement, uh, you know, if it takes me a little longer to do an episode, or just release them. You know, if Chris and Scott are amenable to that, just release them out there and just put them up. Put one up once a month as a classic episode, and folks can listen to uh, the evolution of my little show here. Jesse, thank you very much for writing in. Again, folks, if you want to get in touch, please send an email, and I will respond to you on the Earth Destruction Directive. A couple other notes before I close out the show. Um, I got a visit from my parents this past weekend. They were coming down for the birthday party for one of my sons, and so I got an early Christmas present from my mom and dad. I received a copy of Godzilla Kaiju World Wars by Toy Vault. This is a city-smashing board game featuring Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidorah, and the Millennium version of Gigan. Now, this is an officially licensed game. Toy Vault uh, has made several uh, Godzilla products here in the United States, including the plushy Godzilla and Rodan my two boys have. And uh, this game looks like a lot of fun. It's... Um, uh, every, each player controls one or more monsters, and there's buildings to smash, and you fight each other. It's pretty much what you'd expect from a, uh, a monster, a, uh, a giant monster board game. It doesn't look as complex as Monster Apocalypse, the uh, very cool collectible miniatures game from Privateer Press. looks like more of a beer and pretzel sort of thing, and I'm cool with that. You know, just something um, we can roll some dice and smash some buildings. You know, who doesn't like that? Um, in a related note, Toy Vault also makes a uh, card game, a Godzilla card game called Godzilla Stomp. 
Now, I had played this with my brother the last time I went up to New York to visit with him and picked up a copy of my own the other day. Just I was inspired by getting the Kaiju World War, decided to order Godzilla Stomp. I had some credit on Big Bad Toy Store, said, what the heck. Uh, this is a fun little game, too. Basically, you're, it's just turning trumps. So it's very quick and play up to five players as it is. Making custom cards for this would be an absolute breeze because it doesn't, as long as all the cards in your hand are the same size, it doesn't matter. They don't need to be mixed in with the other cards. So I want to say this game has Godzilla, Mechagodzilla, King Ghidorah, Mothra, and Batra. I want to say those are the five monsters in there because I know I played as Batra when my brother and I were playing. I think he played as ZMG. Uh, so you, but you could easily make custom cards because you're turning trumps, you know. So it's not like um, a game like Magic: The Gathering or something of that nature where uh, there are rules to cards and things. It's a very quick numbers-based game. So uh, check that out. You know, if you need something quick to play at the at the comic book store or or uh, in between movies at your at your next giant monster movie fest, you know, pick that up. Might be uh, might be something fun for to do. Um, okay, as I said, next episode we're going to be talking about. IDW Godzilla Legends miniseries. This is a five-issue miniseries with a different creative team and different spotlighted Daikaiju in each issue. Uh, I thought this was a good series. Not going to get too into it. Don't want to spoil anything for next time. But I hope you guys come back for that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I had fun reading the series. I hope you all have fun listening to this about the series. So this is Luke signing off. And until next time, keep them stomping. Destruction Directed, a Daikaiju podcast, hosted and created by me, Luke Giaconetti, and presented by the Two True Freaks Podcast Network, available at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. All characters, stories, images, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a fan work designed to honor the rich history of Japanese giant monster movies and culture. The opinions expressed on Earth Destruction Directive are my own, and I receive no money for this work. You can send feedback to our email address, earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. All feedback is welcome, and if you send it an email, I will respond to you on the show. Alternately, you can leave a comment at the home of Earth Destruction Directive on the Internet, earthdestructiondirective.blogspot.com. You can also check out the Two True Freaks Forum, at www.forumforgeeks.com and you can find me on Twitter with the handle Eljacone that's L-J-A-C-O-N-E and be sure to head to twotruefreaks.libson.com to check out all the other fine quality Two True Freaks podcasts available. Thanks for listening and come back next time for more Earth Destruction Directive. Well, it's big and terrible. It's more frightening than I ever thought possible.